Welcome to the Underappreciated Movie Podcast, where four friends discuss movies that they love, but nobody else does. Hello, welcome back to the podcast. I'm Elaine. I'm Carly. John. Tony. Each of us has picked a specific movie genre. I have horror thriller. I have science fiction fantasy. I have drama and romance. Action and adventure. Well, we take turns selecting from our movie genre, movies that, in our opinions, have not received the respect they deserve. You won't see any of these films on anyone's top ten list, but maybe by listening to our podcast, you can give these films a second chance. Today's pick... On the podcast... Is Elaine's pick... For Carly's birthday... Uh-oh. So I picked a drama. What Hold on, I... wait a minute. <laughs> so good. I'm glad I started that. Um... Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's fun to do it. Uh, it is fun. <laughs> I have picked 1990s Memphis Belle. Memphis Belle. Memphis Belle. What's that about? About a World War II mm-hmm. B-17 bomber. Yes. Um, this movie is based off on a true story. Based. And I think at this point, we just need... We've done a bunch of these at this <laughs> point, And I think the world just needs to accept... That based on a true story means we took this one thing and then we wrote something we thought was interesting using this one thing. Yeah. And it has nothing to do with the original. So one might Otherwise say that Terminator was based on a true story. <laughs> yes. As in, there was a 1984. And there was, there, was a, there was a documentary made about the Memphis Bell, which was the first bombing crew to return to the States. It was not the first bombing crew to re- to complete all 25 missions, but it was the first, it was the third, but it was the first one whose crew got to end their tour and go home, and the first which is why like, it was significant. The <laughs> they went somewhere else, I guess, or maybe, you know, they still had time, maybe they did it so fast they still had time on their they tour. They became instructors of Top Gun. <laughs> maybe. First one was named Goose. <laughs> but... And if you read the reviews, so many of the negative reviews are this isn't at all like the documentary. And they changed all the they changed all the crew and <laughs> it's almost like it's a movie or something. Yes, and they're very irate that it's not true to what actually those are, happened. Those are the which, guys that are obsessed with World War Two and they paint the little planes and shit. And all this that is stuff. the thing. Yeah, I meetings. think that we yeah, just who need take to the accept. Little figurines and paint them I mean, for fun. There's weirdos out there. Just <laughs> accept that this is a loose interpretation of events, and I really feel like we just need to do that as a society yeah. when someone does this type of based on a true story. It's never factual. No matter what they say. It's a collection of things that happened that they made into one story and make it interesting. Just like when they have these biopics, the, you know, the Bohemian Rhapsodies and yeah. Rocketman. They're all based on a true story, yeah. too. Especially when it's a big, when it's just like Freddie Mercury in a room talking by himself. Who the fuck knew what he said? In the, they, they, ha- they get the facts, and then they choose which ones they think are interesting enough to be in the movie. Yeah. And then they fill in the rest with things they find more interesting. Except for Rocketman. That was 100% accurate mm. because, you know, people would just randomly break into tune yeah. and sing Elton John songs. That's Still how they do. Yeah. So this movie got a 67 thermometer score and it has an audience score of 79. Ooh. It has a 59% Metacritic. Hey, which there is, it is. Well, it's not the only it's way. It's the radar, get it? It has a 6.9 <laughs> overall. 
Its budget was twenty three million, mm-hmm. and it That's only it. grossed twenty seven million. No, it this is ninety. This is ninety. Okay. This is ninety, but still, it only made twenty seven million. I think that we can infer that this was a financial flop. Yeah, I think, not, we and also that we could just say it. And also, you may have to be careful of the years because I, I follow this one podcast that does movies, mm-hmm. and their big thing is when they say movies, like they'll be like, "This movie's great. It didn't make shit." And you're like, why? And then they list all the other movies that came out that year, and they're like, oh, yeah. that's why. It's like, this came out in 1989. Like Batman was out. Yeah, between 85 and like 95, it was this fucking Wild West of movies, just awesome movies coming out. So Sometimes like this came I out look the at same that. weekend as Die Hard. Yeah. Well, oh, well. <laughs> but the people who saw it really liked it, and the critics liked it, but it just didn't make any, mo- any money. Yeah. All right. Um, so this is 1990? Yes, yeah, I have, might have gone up against Goodfellas. I have, could have gone against a lot of shit. I have two reviews. Oh, good. The first one is from Dimplet. Home Alone. And that sucked. Oh wait, no, sorry. I don't want to read that one. I want to read the one by Turbo that Fox was... above it. Turbo Fox. This and he says this plot is banal. The characters are simple stereotypes. No psychological analysis whatsoever. The themes are not well developed, and the ending is awful. No war movie should end with a all's well that ends well morale or moral. <laughs> he wrote morale, but I think he means moral. Yeah. In one word, spelling's hard. Disgusting. <laughs> Two out of ten. Disgusting. Yep. And then, uh, blue forty six. In Counterpoint says, when I saw it, I just couldn't stop thinking about it. It's totally sad and beautiful. Every time I meet someone, I just want to ask that person, have you ever seen the movie Memphis Belle? Because I just want to share my impressions. Forever in my heart, 10 out of 10. So here you go. Misery. Oh, you got it? (laughs) Edward Scissorhands, Arachnophobia, Total Recall, Hunt for Red October, Hard to Kill, Goodfellas, Ghost, Dances with Wolves. Dick Tracy, Predator 2, Mermaids. I mean, these are Kindergarten Cop. These are big-ass fucking movies. Awakenings, Days of Thunder, Rocky Five. And that last one, not so much. I mean, it still made made money. No, Pretty Woman. Woman. Oh, look, podcast favorite. (laughs) Gremlins 2, Young Guns 2. I mean, these movies made some money, so it's probably easy to get lost in that shuffle. Yeah, but this came out in October of 1990. Hold on, I want to see what was... But back then, movies stayed in the theater for... Yep. All right, so number one... So what beat this out? So this came out October 14th, 1990. The movie that beat it was already out the week prior. It was Marked for Death. Yeah. Steven Seagal. And the height of his powers, too. That's one... But that's one of the... So it would have been in the theater for for weeks. Yeah. And so it would have also lost out to Graveyard Shift and Jacob's Ladder. Where if it came out... Going into November, Child's Play 2. Yeah. And then Home Alone came out, and good luck. Yeah. (laughs) It's like, all right, well, finally that child's thing's dying down. We can finally get Memphis Bell in there. It's a crowded year. Home Alone. Shit. Yeah. <laughs> what did you think going in, Carly? I thought, it could be good. <laughs> what did you think, Tony? I was like, I I think i seen this, but I couldn't remember. It's like, I think i seen part of it a long time ago, but I wow. haven't seen it all the way through. I'm sorry. I'm just <laughs> what did you think going in, John? I thought, I've seen this a bunch of times. I always get this confused with Biloxi Blues. I love mm-hmm. Blues. At least I haven't seen it in a long time. With though. Matthew, uh, not McConaughey, what's yeah. his name? Matthew Broderick. And uh, Christopher Walken. Mm-hmm. It's all right. Die Hard 2 came out in 1990. Come on. Yeah. Lots of good stuff. A lot of shit. 90, 90, 90. Um, This was directed by Michael Cotton Jones, who also directed The Jackal and Doc Hollywood. Ooh, Doc Hollywood. I love <laughs> Doc Hollywood. That's a good movie. It's fun. It was written by Monty Merrick, who also wrote Eight Seconds. And Mr. Baseball. Doc 
Hollywood. Mr. One. Baseball with Tom Selleck, Mr. Baseball? Yes. Oh, yeah. now there's a mustache. Mm-hmm. <laughs> a mustache. People say to... Sam Elliott's the king of the mustache, but I say Tom Selleck. That's tough, man. <laughs> All right. Some say Burt Reynolds, Selleck's, but I say Tom Selleck. Tom Selleck's been in more stuff. I mean, you know. Mm. I'm right. saying, not, not Tom Selleck. Tom Selleck's been in more stuff than... Uh, Burt Reynolds? Reynolds? No, no, the other one. Sam, Sam Elliott. Sam Elliott. Yes, but he's Sam Elliott does a lot of like low key roles. Yeah, but Sam Elliott clearly has the best mustache, though. No, the best mustache is Tom Selleck. He supports his stash, man. Come on. Anyways, um, this movie stars Matthew Modine as Captain Dennis Dearborn, who is a welcome back to the podcast from Notting Hill. <laughs> he was one of the movie stars in one of Julia Roberts' fake movies. <laughs> All right. Uh, he was also in The Dark Knight Rises and Full Metal Jacket and. Vision Quest. Thank you. <laughs> One of John's all-time favorite crap movies. Oh, I grew up on that movie, so it's I've never it's seen that it. one of those rose-colored glasses movies. Like I recognize that it's not very good, but I loved it as a little kid, so I still love it. We also have um, Eric Stoltz returning to the podcast as Sergeant Danny Daly. We've seen him previously in Anaconda, where he slept his way through literally, and The Prophecy. <laughs> yeah. And what else has he been in? Pulp Fiction. Uh, the Butterfly Effect, which totally creeped me out, and I'm never not able to see him in that. Back God, to the Future. He's a he wasn't in. No, no. There's a scene where they still have him in it. The guy that hits Biff in the the in the restaurant is Eric Stoltz. All right. Not Matthew J. Wow. Uh, Matthew, uh, Michael J. Fox. So boom, he's still in the movie. All right. Well, then we have uh, Tate Donovan <laughs> playing First Lieutenant Luke Sinclair. Welcome back to the podcast from Swordfish. I loved you in Love Potion Number Nine. <laughs> that movie is terrible. Then we have oh, there are there are horrible people. <laughs> then we have DB Sweeney. Ooh, welcome back to the podcast, Lieutenant Phil Lowenthal. Welcome this, back from Fire in the Sky. Was this after? This is after Fire in the Sky. Yes. I think it's right. It's either right before, or right after. That was ninety two. This was right after the Cutting Edge, I think. When I was say Fire in the Sky? Ninety two. I'll look it up while you. I mean, you, I mean, it was your movie. I thought you'd know it. I forget. I don't remember. Nineteen ninety three. Okay. It happens so, to be the first one I took notes of in this notebook. <laughs> I did recall that, it, that he did the cutting edge first, and mm-hmm. then he did this, and then he did fire in the sky. I guess, and that was his heyday. I guess now he's in that Empire show that you love, or no? What is he in? He's in some show. Mm. Mm. He watched it recently, and I said, "Oh, it's Succession." Season. Thank you. Uh, he does a lot of TV now. Uh, then we have Billy Zane as Lieutenant Val Kowalski. Welcome back to the podcast. Question no, mark? No. 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 I thought so, but... Because you have not done fa- The Phantom. No. Oh. Or, <laughs> or Titanic. Or Titanic. But Titanic or and the underappreciated movie podcast is never getting in. So I looked at Billy Zane's acting at, at his credits. He has a lot, but mostly it's just bit roles bit and TV appearances. And Titanic was so big that I think it... Makes you think he was a bigger movie yeah. star than he should have been, and, than he was. And uh, again, I listened to this one podcast, and uh, Matthew McConaughey had Titanic, but at the last minute they took it and gave it to Leo. Yeah, and it was it was really fucked up because he's like he had it and he got in his car and he drove home and somehow he lost it and he's like, what happened? And they're like, it's just we wanted someone a little younger, Leo. I like. I was like, damn. I like been Billy a Zane movie. though, but. He'd have been yeah, all that, right, all right, all right. We got, we got an eye. That would have been, that would have been weird. Oscar um, dead ahead. We have. <laughs> He'd have been much more chill. Sean Austin okay. playing Sergeant Richard Moore. We all love Sean Austin. <laughs> Frodo, not all of us. Rudy, no, Rudy. Sorry, 
Um, no. I actually love Sam him Weiss. in Fifty First Dates. You know what I really love him in? Encino Man. <clears throat> yeah. Yeah. I've heard that Weezing doesn't hold juice. up. I haven't Tony seen that. Tony made me watch it recently. I know. Carly is having an adverse effect. What's wrong? It was not. It was not. makes me watch it again. <laughs> it talking, we're talking about the four favorite food groups and links. That's not one juice. of them. The wheezing the juice. We have Harry Connick Jr. Would you watch it on? Because I'd like to give this a watch. Uh, what was it on? Tubi? I'm, uh... It was on something. <laughs> <laughs> wow, you look like you need some counseling after watching it. <laughs> on HBO. Okay. We have Harry Connick Jr. Oh, yeah, playing yeah. Sergeant Clay Busby. Welcome back to the podcast from Hope Floats. This was his first movie role. Mm-hmm. Oh, wow. Uh, then we have Ready, Reed play Diamond yeah. playing Sergeant Virgil Hodgester. And welcome back to the podcast from SWAT. <laughs> this guy seems so familiar and I looked through his IMDb and I haven't seen hardly anything with him in it. Although mm-hmm. he's done a lot of bit like TV roles and shit like that. And I was like, man, this guy's good. I wish he had a better career. <laughs> then we have Courtney Gaines playing Sergeant Eugene McVeigh, who, welcome back to the podcast from my personal favorite, former birthday pick, The Burbs. Mm-hmm. Where are you I was going, like, Pinocchio? Oh, no, Tony, one of the Clopexes in this As soon as we like, I'm watching it, and, he, and Lane comes in, like, isn't he one of the Clopex? Yep. Yes, yep. he is. Uh-huh, I thought so. And then Neil Gio- Giovanni? No, it's... Giovanski? GBC? I think it's Ginatoli. I think is uh, Sergeant Jack Bocci, and he was in Waterworld. Going back to episode one, all, all the way. way back. I wasn't even going to look at his IMDb, but then I did, and I'm like, holy shit, he was in Waterworld. And that pretty much rounds out our air crew. There's some other famous people in this cast, but they're more tertiary. John Lithgow. Yes, I got two. But he's uh, pretty important. Ben Browder shows up. For one little scene, he's from Farscape, and I like Farscape, so I want to mm-hmm. mention that. But welcome back to the podcast. The one new, the one new pilot, I think is, is it the one that throws up? The is, mother and country guy is uh, Tannis mm-hmm. from Underworld, the, um, the records keeper that gets banished. I like that guy. He's not much. I there's so many like this is an ensemble yeah, cast, and there's so many that I was like, movie. once I went through our our flight crew, I was like, I'm not ready anymore. Yes. Why is Everybody in this is for something almost. Well, that's most movies. Yeah, but this is pretty well. <laughs> very rarely does an actor do one thing. Recognizably for another thing. All right. So this opens with a, what is it called? Like a little scrawl. And it says, in the summer of 1943, a fierce battle raged in the skies over Europe. Every day, hundreds of young airmen faced death as they flew bombing raids deep into enemy territory. Fewer and fewer were coming back. And then we get our credits. And then we get a voiceover telling us about our crew as they play a game of football. So they go through all of the guys on the crew, where they're from, what their names are. And then we see a little thing that says England, May 16th, 1943. Hey, what's today? May 16th. (laughs) Which is true. (laughs) It's not 1943. It's not when our no. listeners are listening May 16th. <laughs> no, but they did fly their last mission on May 17th. So now people are like, wow, they recorded this that long ago? <laughs> we do stuff we, ahead of time because we, we have busy schedules. Well, we recorded this on purpose so we would have an anniversary. That's exactly yeah. why we did it. Mm-hmm. So we see the bombers coming in. We see all of the men that are on the base are gathered, and they're watching the bombers 
return from their bombing run and they're counting planes. We see Colonel Harriman. He's on the phone with his superiors and they're giving him the next mission. And from the sound of it, it's not what he wants. He wants, he's like, are you sure we have to go there? We just were there a couple months ago. Can't we go somewhere else? I'd like to give them a rest. And then he's like, 25 planes. I don't even know if I'm going to have 25 planes. Because, mm-hmm. you know, and, but he follows orders. He says, yes, sir, hangs up the phone. And then we see him chatting with Lieutenant Colonel Derringer, who's uh, John Lithgow. And he's chatting about the Memphis Bell crew. And he says, so that's them over there. And um, Harriman says, yes, that's the enlisted. You'll meet the officers later. And um, Derringer thinks it's fantastic that they've completed 24 missions. They've got to be really, really lucky. And he's here to do a story about them. So there's going to be magazine articles and they're going to go on this tour (laughs) for morale. So we we still see the planes are still coming in, and the last plane is spotted. How would that be morale boosting? Be like, hey, you see, look at these guys. They don't have to go back to war, but you do. No, <laughs> well, not morale boosting for the military. <laughs> they actually it's made it. <laughs> for the civilians back home. It's the same kind of stuff that Captain America did. Oh, yeah. In the... Which was my Lith- question during this movie was, why don't they just have Captain America do this? And Lithgow says he's like, it'll help them sell war bombs. Yeah. Which mm-hmm. is the big thing. It gives, it tells, you know, it brings hope to the people who are waiting at home, and oh. it helps them sell war bonds and fund the well, war. Hope floats. They don't do that kind of stuff anymore because so after Vietnam, mm. public opinion on the military turned in a very negative way. No, well, it's the media's fault. Well, yes, but they don't do this kind of stuff anymore because of Vietnam. Because um, when the media tells you these people are evil, you believe them because people are listening. I, I don't because I don't believe everything the media tells me. Because they're liars. But, um... Because I know they make up things just to get ratings. I've seen Anchorman. Um, <clears throat> or Anchorman 2. <laughs> Whatever. So. It would be cool if we can get the anchor, all the anchor teams the together last, to have a rumble. The Ooh. last plane is spotted and it's landing, but you can see that only one of its wheels for the landing gear is down. And everybody looks terrified. This is obviously. Bad. Really bad. And they land. And it looks like they they come to a stop, and it looks like everything is fine, and then the plane explodes. Yeah, it explodes, and all the other crews watch in silence, and it's a very sad and somber moment. Yes, and Sean Astin is smoking. They're all smoking oh, in this yeah. movie. So like they must not have known cigarettes were bad back then. Well, it's, oh, that's right, they did. <laughs> they didn't care. They're like, oh, okay. We're going to die anyway. They said, my body, my choice. Yes, they did. So then we see the officers are interviewed. Um, We meet Captain Dearborn, and he's the one that named the plane, and he named it after his fiancée, who he met on vacation in Memphis. And then we meet, and Captain Dearborn is um, Modine, and then Lieutenant Sinclair who used to be a lifeguard, and he's just happy-go-lucky. He's looking forward to the fame. Mm-hmm. Then Lieutenant Val, and he, they talk to him about how he was in med school and all this stuff, and, you know, he's, he seems like he's kind of, I don't know, reserved. Like, he doesn't really want to talk about it. And then we get to Lo- Lieutenant Lowenthal, Phil, who 
does not want to be there, does not want to smile, and just in general looks like he might throw up at any second. Mm-hmm. Well, you just take the picture. <laughs> yeah. And these are going to be pictures that are going to end up in Life magazine. And then um, Harrington tells them about the tour, how they're going to, you know, they're going to go all over the country. They're going to go, they're going to take the plane itself and they'll show it at all these shows and they'll help sell war bonds and all this stuff. And Sinclair is very interested in this because he's the kind of guy that would be a social media influencer if he had the opportunity. If Instagram was a thing, this guy would be doing, uh, you know. Like Dearborn just wants to go home. At the bomb site. Val doesn't seem to care one way or the other. And Lowenthal just seems like he's just terrified at every second. Because he's he's sure he's going to die. And Dearborn asks the lieutenant colonel to keep it quiet. He doesn't want the enlisted, enlisted crew. crew to find out until after the last That's mission. Right. Don't he's tell like, the plebs. He's, no, he says, I don't want them distracted. I want them to stay focused mm-hmm. so that we can get through this last crew. But the like, officers can be distracted because they're not the plebs. Got it. I don't think they can be. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. I he Dearborn probably would have preferred they didn't say anything yeah. to anybody until after they flew this mission. <laughs> He's we know focused we have on the mission. mission. Let's focus on the mission. Like he probably didn't want them to do this. He as soon as he found out, he's probably pissed. And if you look at the way Sinclair acts, I think it does affect Sinclair and the fucking things he and the choices he makes. But that night there's gonna be a dance and we are back in the enlisted quarters. It's a ball! And we see them getting ready for the and dance. And we love balls. And we see Jack, or Only no. Only big ones. Yeah. This is a much bigger ball. We see Clay, Busby, goes through the dead guy's footlocker. Are they allowed to touch each other during this ball? Yes. I don't know yes, what the rules because are. because now it's 1943 or And whatever. they do swing dancing. <laughs> but before they get to the ball, Clay goes through the dead guy's stuff. And they find in there that he had forgot his lucky four-leaf clover. And his candy bar. And they're very... All these guys are obsessed with their lucky charms, which you would be. Mm-hmm. And they and they instantly think that this is why that guy died. And um, that's you know what they say. There's no atheist. Danny in takes it. Danny I'm, takes I'm it and puts it in his pocket. I'm just stitious. Yeah. And uh, you know, just enough stitches. And they're like, and one of them's like, "Should you really be doing that?" I think it's Virgil. And then Rascals, I think it's Jack says, "Would you want this to go home to his widow and them to find all kinds of stuff in here?" <laughs> So, you know, they go through and they... That's a good point. Delete my browser. This, his, is, this he, is precursor of delete my browser. Yeah. Well, he had condoms. <laughs> so... Yeah. And he's married. So, yeah. yeah, get those out of there. There was a dirty book. Mm-hmm. Cigarettes. Jack's like, he owed me 20 bucks and takes his cash. <laughs> and um, Virgil starts to tell him about this idea he has about chain restaurants. And nobody wants to hear him. They'd rather talk about the rumors that they might have to go to Germany tomorrow on their bomb run. And they're like, and some of them are like, they'd never do that to us. We're just going to go to France. This is our last mission. Why would they make us go to Germany? We can't go to Germany. Our plane's broken. Well, they, yeah, fixed, they it. fixed it. Well, why don't we break it? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so then we see the dance. It's a fun dance. It is a fan dance. Fan we dance. see Rascal hitting on a lady who seems uninterested in him. Hello. But yeah. is eyeing Virgil the Virgin over his shoulder. He gets up to get a drink, and she ditches him, and yeah. he all starts to talk to Virg. Yeah. Um, well, he's got big plans. He's going to start a restaurant, see? Yeah. And everywhere you go, they're going to have the exact same food. It's comfort. comforting, yeah. We see all the guys. Um, this guy's name is Ray Kroc. Yeah. <laughs> 
we meet Dave kind Thomas. of the rookie. We see kind of a couple members of the rookie crew, mother and country. It's a and damn good name for a plane. They're kind of they're all nervous, and that Memphis Bell guys instead of reassuring them, shit on them, mm-hmm. and tell them that they should just go home now, kill themselves now, because they're all gonna die. Shoot, shoot themselves in the foot and go home. Yep. And the one guy, which the, is something that guys would do, mm-hmm. the radio man goes into the bathroom to throw up, and Danny, who's you oh, know, Danny boy, it's like the big brother keeping everybody mm-hmm. together, the heart. Of the Memphis Belle, you might say, goes and tells the guy, hey, don't worry. They were just, you know, giving you a hard time. They didn't mean any of it. And he gives him the dead guy's lucky four-leaf clover. And then... Dear- he didn't need it. We see Dearborn. He leaves the dance and walks to the plane. Talks to it. It's a little chit-chat like it's his girl. And then he walks as he walks away, you see Virgil pop his head up. Because he's got the cute girl in the plane. Hello. And uh, they're not going to need to call him the Virgin anymore. He's about to show her his bombardier. Oh. Open the hatch. Yeah. Well, I can't get caught. Or what? They're not yeah, going to send him to die? Go fly over <laughs> I don't know. All his friends would be pissed at him. He had sex in the plane. <laughs> yeah. All right, let me tell you something. One of the reviews... I would not get mad if, if a co-worker had sex in the plane. I'd be like, did you clean up? Yeah, yeah right, as long as cleaned up. Yeah, One of up. the reviewers said... And then you give him the fist pound. One yeah. of the negative reviews, the guy said, you would never have sex in an aircraft like that. This is completely untrue. That guy had sex he, in an aircraft. He <laughs> really irate that there was a scene of him having sex in the bomber. And you don't even see it. No, it's just inferred. <laughs> yeah, that guy went heels to Jesus, I'm telling you. Yeah, he did. And then um, Lieutenant, the Lieutenant Colonel gets up on the stage and he says, you know, glad everybody's having a great time. We have some real <laughs> special men here tonight. Which and I'm sure everybody would really appreciate. He starts a cheer. He's like he's, hip hip, I'm like no. He starts a cheer for the Memphis Bell guys, but and you know, like the civilians there start to cheer, and all the crew guys are like, no, no, it's bad luck, it's bad luck, don't do it. <laughs> so then it's just silence, and it's super awkward because the you know Derringer doesn't know what to do, and he's just kind of standing up there, and um, luckily one of their one of well, the guys have been crew. bugging. Clay to sing the whole night. You should go up there, you should sing. You should go up there, you should sing. And so he goes up there to diffuse the tension and he sings Danny Boy. Danny Boy. Oh, Danny Boy. And it's Harry Connick Jr. Yes. And because he why sounds we're... really good because he's Harry <laughs> Connick Jr. Jr. Much better than, um, uh, what's his name? Never mind. I can't get it. I can't remember his name. Just go. Just go. Just go. The guy, Mr. Knightley? Is that who you're thinking of? <laughs> no. <laughs> Yes, way better than Mr. Knightley. <laughs> which is the guy, true. Well, that's the last movie we did where there was a guy singing, so I don't know. Also way better than Emma. <laughs> All right. But the piano playing was comparable to Jane. Mm-hmm. Yes, it's very Jane. good. Well, because he's Harry Connick Jr. He's wonderful. I love him. That's really? an artist. Do you know? Okay. Yes. He's not the world's greatest actor, but he's very good as an artist. As a recording, I do like his music. He's not my favorite crooner, but he's not bad either. No, he's very good. So then, kind of as we leave the dance, when, um, so as Clay is singing, they drop the balloons, which have been all up in this netting. I've always wanted to be at a dance where they drop a bunch of balloons. (laughs) (laughs) 
I don't know why, but I just really love it. Release the balloons! And Lane's like, yes! And then we pan no, out, and we see Phil. We see um, Phil, D.B. Sweeney, um, is totally trashed. And he kneels in a field and shouts, I don't want to die, more than once. Mm-hmm. He seems to be having issues. Yeah. The next morning... Somebody comes in to wake up all the officers and they see that Phil is missing and Val covers for him and is like, oh, he couldn't sleep. He went out to the head, whatever. And then they're like, where's Phil? And he's like, I don't fucking know. (laughs) So then uh, Val searches the base for him and finds him still fucking drunk. (laughs) He is convinced he is going to die. And Val is like, you need to pull yourself together. you got to get through the briefing. He is their navigator. (laughs) So he needs to get the correct coordinates or they won't get where they're going, so to speak. No. And Gator never been about no shit. Then we get breakfast. Gator needs his cat. Tony goes, he's going to throw up. (laughs) (laughs) Especially with all those powdered eggs. No Uh, thanks. Yeah. And then we get the briefing. Where we find out that the target is Bremen, 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 and they're like, but be careful because this right here, that's a school. And this right here is a hospital. So you got to hit right here. Now, I did some reading on just a little bit in the trivia and like on the wiki. And apparently this bombing type was really, really accurate. So the lead bomber would find the target and then drop his bombs. And then the other planes would just, when they see the lead bomber drop, they would drop. And this method of bombing could have pinpoint accuracy however if you're off it's yeah. not no the thing that they didn't account for was wind was air resistance so depending on the weather yeah. if it was a really windy day <laughs> it could every bomb could hit the same target but if they're off a little bit then they would take out all kinds of weird stuff that they weren't even aiming for that's called collateral damage yes but Which, it was a very come up later. <laughs> it could be very accurate but they didn't take that atmospheric conditions into into consideration when they did these bottom runs. yeah drop points so sometimes they were not accurate all right so then we come out of briefing and our planes are getting ready all the crews are going through their checklist they're getting into positions they do mic checks they're all ready to go and then, oh no, cloud cover over the target area. We all have to wait. Shit. So then it's all hurt. And then, <laughs> so um, the guys say snafu, situation normal, all fucked up. So now we get a hurry up and wait scene. They're all kind of in the grass. All the crews are hanging out. And um, Dearborn is like, well, let's take this opportunity to just triple check everything. Mm -hmm. And everybody on the crew groans because they're like, I don't want to fucking do this. (laughs) And um, we see Sinclair trying to get um, Clay to let him fire the tail gun. And he's like, how am I? And he knows that they're going to go on this big tour. 
And he's like, how am I supposed to get girls back home if I haven't killed one Nazi? But you were on a crew. They killed, killed many. Yeah. yeah, many. But he wants to say that he's personally shot the guns. The Nazi, which he could lie. Yes. Yeah. Although, knows. although at this point, they're a really tight group. So if I went on this big tour with you guys and you kept lying and I was like Jack or Rascal, yeah. I would definitely be like, no, he's lying. <laughs> Although they pretty much ignore rank, but I don't think they would do that back in the States. Like, the, the stateside military bases would be more enforcing, would not let them be that familiar, I don't think. I don't know. It'd be hard to say. But everybody is super bored and super tense. <laughs> and they nag Danny into reading some of his poetry. And he does it's super depressing and right as he finishes his beautiful depressing poem they get the word that they're going up so they get back in their plane on that very down note <laughs> so then we get the takeoff and the takeoff scene is cool because as the planes go up you can see their different names mm-hmm. windy city the black eyed pea clooney baby mama's boys they're all clooney baby is that rosemary clooney yes <laughs> Um, as you and like the other ones like mother and country is very like these are mama's boys but most of them d cup like when like windy city has a lady with her skirts riding up like they're most of them are sexual in nature which is kind of like they would be now if you're like well nowadays they wouldn't let them pick names like that but if they did this is what they did i mean i assume that these are probably historical names for the most part I'm sure they let... And the captain of the crew gets to name the bomber. So, like, Dearborn named it after his fiance. And this woman, they did not end up getting married. But on her tombstone, it does, like, Memphis Belle, that's on her tombstone. Which is kind of cool, because they remain friends their whole lives. Thus, saith the Wikipedia. (laughs) (laughs) Who knows how accurate that is. It's based on a true story. So... We see them up, we see all the planes type off, and it's really cool. And then we see them go into clouds, and we, you know, they do radio checks, and they're, you know, we see them giving each other a lot of shit, which is pretty much, most of this movie is just them talking to each other, mm-hmm. giving each other shit. Yeah. Like so you that do. you get, you know, like you do. And they come out of a cloud, and they almost hit another plane. Yeah. <laughs> which is pretty fucking scary. <laughs> I would pee my pants, I'm sure. Mm-hmm. So doesn't shake the captain though. Nope. Yeah, but it does shake. Yeah, it's co-pilot Sinclair. Is that the co-pilot yeah. who's like, I'm just as qualified as him, only they didn't have a plane for me, so I'm the second. But I could do his job, and then this happens, and the captain is fine, and he's like, <laughs> Yeah, he's very. But at the same time, you think he doesn't get to do anything ever. He just yeah. sits there. He's backup. Mm-hmm. And then, um, so they're joined. Oh, they're not at the rally point yet. But Val, who's the bombardier, asks if he can arm the bombs. And while he's doing this, Phil tries to give him a ring. Because he's convinced that he's going to die, so he keeps trying to give away all of his stuff. And they, you know, and he's like, and he's like, no, you're not going to die. I don't want your stuff. Be depressing, shut up. <laughs> and then we see Virgil and Rascal keep having a fight about the gun, tur- the bottom gun turret. Apparently, it keeps locking up, and Virgil's like, no, I fixed it, it's fine. And Rascal's like, no, you didn't, and I'm going to (laughs) die. So this is some foreshadowing there. 
They reach the rally point and they're joined by all the other bomber groups. And you can just kind of, some of these aerial shots are really cool where you see all the planes. Mm -hmm. Right about this time, uh, Danny, the radio operator says that he's getting AFN. Can he play it over the radio? And they do. And um, Eugene puts a sign on the back of Jack that says I couldn't get laid last night, (laughs) which, you know, you would do. Then they all test their guns. This is like, this is a very long And they don't sequence. warn anybody. Yeah. Like, that's something you can probably... No, I was like, who's getting hit know. by these guns? <laughs> also, are they over water or something? Yeah. Or Well, they go over the channel. Because they're just cracking off rounds and bullets yeah. land. So, it's like when people say, you should fire warning shots. So you want somebody far away to die. Yeah. When they... That's what's going to happen. Bullets come back. They don't go into space. Mm-hmm. So when they're, um, when they're... Rally when they reach the rally point, it's pretty much at the edge of the English coastline before they go over the channel because all the bombing crews are coming from the different air bases that are stationed in England. So that's pretty much where the rally point is. And then they play the AFN over the radio, which is the Armed Forces Network. For those of you who don't know. And it only it cuts out at a certain point because they've gotten too far away from England. And then they do the gun test and the fighter pilot squadrons alive or alive arrive and they call them their little friends mm-hmm. and, and they, then they have the cool job they get the fighter jets this is a really well, they're not jets they're i'm kind jets. of just hitting <laughs> the the high points because this is a very long sequence in the middle of the movie this journey to the bombing site and there's long not a whole lot no it's not it's just like these little beats so then the fighter squadrons arrive and then we see phil again giving all of his stuff to the crew and he gives <laughs> Eugene a pen and he gives Jack a baseball baseball cards and Eugene's like why can't I have the baseball cards and Jack goes I'm really more of a football guy and then they and then Phil takes and switches them and goes are you happy now and they're yes. like yes <laughs> it was a dandy pen yeah and then they um all talk about what they're going to do after the war if they have plans some of them do some of them don't Virgil's got his uh McDonald's uh kind of plan, which is what I refer to it in my notes every time he talks about wanting he wants to open, franchise. He wants to make a chain restaurant so they get the same burger that they get in Florida in Chicago. And they're like, nobody wants that. But that's not true. Everybody wants it. <laughs> it's like, well, you'd be wrong, sir. Because People want to go to Japan and get the same burger that they got in Chicago. And they talk about how <laughs> Val will finish medical it's school. It's not the same burger. Oh, I know, but they want it. And they say that Clay should go and go to Hollywood and become Hollywood. a famous singer and he's like no I just want to get a farm and a wife and leave and lead a quiet Speaking life. Speaking of Hollywood go back and watch our episode or listen to our episode on Mannequin because Hollywood is awesome. That is a weird thing you just jump in your brain. You said Hollywood. <laughs> and then they talk and <laughs> he's fabulous. <laughs> it's true. <sighs> he was my he was my favorite character. And Sinclair talks you know he's like I don't know what I'm gonna do but I'm not gonna want to work and Rascal's like yeah you wouldn't want to go back to the hard life of being a lifeguard. <laughs> and then... Yeah, why is this guy a lieutenant? He was a lifeguard. Now he's a lieutenant. He, How did they arbitrarily maybe pick Maybe he, he was a lifeguard while he was in college. Maybe. Because they don't talk about it like the enlisted guys. We all know how they get enlisted. They volunteered and they enlisted. Or they got drafted. Yeah. But And like Dearborn, his family owns a furniture store. And he, he even says, well, you know, you maybe think about this when we get out. I have my... 
my father owns a furniture factory. We make and sell furniture. You guys could all come work for me. And they're like, oh, yeah, like we want to take orders from you for the rest of our lives. And they all give him shit about the kind of orders that he gives. And he's like, all right, well, fuck he's off. Like, I'm, he's, he's like, like I'm not off, that ghost. bad, am I? But if his, so you would think maybe he went to college for business, maybe to run the factory. Or maybe he didn't go to college at all. But how did he get it? I mean, traditionally, I think you come in he, as an officer if you have rich. some kind of degree. I don't know how I, I don't know how it worked back then. We know Val was in med school. It might have been that hey, you volunteered and now we're going to make you an officer. I don't know. We don't, don't know, know much about Maybe it was just test scores. I don't know. Or after I don't know. I don't know. But um yeah, daddy could have been somebody. Then mm-hmm. we we all have to straighten up cuz we're about to enter enemy territory. Shit's about to get real. Call out your bandits when you see them. She got an accent for that. Then we got Call bandits. Out your bandits. <laughs> well, you know I love bandits. Old Smokey and the Bandit. That's right. Um, Snowman, you got your ears on. <laughs> then we got bandits at one o'clock. Junior, when we get home, I'm gonna punch so your mama get, right in the mouth because there is no way you're from my loins. <laughs> we get our first firefight. You seem taller on the. Radio. And Windy City, the lead bomber goes down, and mm. um, the plane actually explodes. Oof. It explodes? And it has all those bombs on it. Yeah, well. I mean, <laughs> well, yeah, which are already armed. armed. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, Dearborn's like, everybody check in, and navigation won't check in, and Val goes, he's here, he's here. And then he says, God, somebody's guts are all over the nose. <laughs> and then they all kind of talk, and they're like, any shoots from Windy City? But there weren't any parachutes. And then Rascal tells... They kind of talk about the Windy City guys, and Rascal tells a joke that one of the guys from the Windy City told mm-hmm. about um, this guy that his plane went down in Germany, and he parachuted it out, but his leg was broke, so they amputated it, and he was captured by the Germans, and then he asked the Germans if they would drop his leg over in England, and they agreed, but then he kept getting sicker, and they had to amputate the other leg. So then he again asked his German captors to take his leg and drop it over in um, the UK, in England. And then another week goes by, now they got to take his arm. And he again asks, will you take my arm and drop it over into England? And they said, nine. Nine. This we cannot do. Why? We think you're trying to escape. Your German accent needs help. Yes. Yeah, no, it's terrible. But he tells his joke and they all laugh. (laughs) <laughs> and this seems like a good cross between gallows humor and um, a dad joke. Mm-hmm. And they all laugh. And during this, the bastards are in England. <laughs> and this is kind of like their little memorial because they they're see these, like all of their friends die all the time. None of them in this movie have made it out alive. Well, so, they said, was it two, a quarter of a million pilots and only 50,000? There's so many That's of a pretty them. Good death they rate. can't remember these <laughs> yeah. guys' names, but they know these guys. And yes. They're memorialized. Well, it I says guess. at the end that a quarter of a million, there were, um, there were about a quarter of a million airmen fighting in this conflict, and about 50,000 made it home. Mm-hmm. So 200,000 died and 50,000 made it home, mm-hmm. which is horrific to think about those kind of numbers. And um, the bandits leave. It was just a little hit and run. And then we see the fighter pilots leave as well because, the, and they, you know, they make a comment about how they always run out of fuel at the most convenient times. <laughs> so now the bombing group is all alone. 
So now Eugene notices that he has lost his St. Anthony's medal. This is the second time he's lost it, to our knowledge. Mm-hmm. And uh, which the guys think is kind of funny because St. Anthony is the patron saint of lost things. And Jack finds it in the um, Shells. shell casings. And he's like, see it? And while they were fighting the bandits, the sign that hit, that Eugene had stuck on his back had come off, and he's still pissed about it. So he shows it to Eugene and then drops it out of the side of the plane. And then, of course, Eugene now thinks he's going to die because this is his lucky charm. And every time pack. somebody loses their lucky charm, they fucking die. So he has a freak out, and they're like, and the, you know, up in the pilot's... Um, the, cockpit. What is, the cockpit. They're like, what's going on back there? Ra- you know, Danny, check it out. See what's happening. And Danny goes Two to calm him down. <laughs> you know, separates them. This and is not the time for this. <laughs> he's like, what did he do? You're shooting Nazis. <laughs> he's like, what did he do? And Eugene tells him that he, you know, he threw his medal out the window. And Danny gives him his lucky rubber band. It works, I promise. And puts his rubber band around his wrist. So now Danny doesn't have a l- good luck charm. Then we go back to the base, mm-hmm. and we see Herman is mm-hmm. anxiously waiting mm-hmm. for news. He's in his office. You know, he just looks mm-hmm. really nervous. Like, these, his guys are mm-hmm. out, and he's very, you know, concerned. And one of, the, one of his aides comes in and is like, sir, I think you need to come and see this. So he goes out to the main hall, and he sees that Lieutenant Colonel Derringer is arranging a congratulations party for the Memphis Bell. And Harriman is pissed. And he's like, I didn't authorize this. Who told you that you could do this? And he's like, look, I'm just, it's not, I'm just throwing a party. These guys deserve to be celebrated. They're special. And Harriman says, I have 24 air crews in the sky and they are all special. <laughs> and Derringer just is not getting it. He thinks, he tells Harriman that he doesn't care if they live or die. He's only all about the mission and all he cares is the results and kissing ass of the higher commands. And Harriman is not having any of this. And he outranks him. So he says, bitch, come with me. He says, come with me right now. <laughs> sit down. And he takes out a drawer. And, and he, he dumps sit. it. Well, on. no, first he's sitting, he goes, sit down. Like, <laughs> yeah. And he takes out a drawer and he dumps it on the desk. And he says, read. And Derringer is like, dude, just calm down. He's like, read. Start with this one. And he hands him a letter. And Harriman reads it. And there's, or Derringer reads it. And it's all about, it's a letter from, um... A a surviving, a surviving family. Yeah. Surviving it family. Was, no, it was the father. So it was the father writing, thanking him for his letter about the death of his son, and that he knows his son wasn't there very long, but you must must have knew he must have made an impression because we knew him very well. And then we get a voiceover, and we get actual footage from World War Two. So that all that news footage is actual footage from from journalists and stuff that were with the bombing crews. And then we get all these voiceovers of them reading the letters. And it's, you know, showing that they do care. Like, all these people have died. Yes, it's very exciting that this one crew is going to live. But all these people have died. And I feel the weight and of all their lives. he wrote personally. Because Every the military sent the letter. But yeah. then he wrote a letter to each of the families. families. Yeah. Like, one of them is from a widow that said... Your letter is what made me finally accept my husband wasn't coming back and that this telegram wasn't a mistake. Mm-hmm. And it, you know, and it's just, it's one of those very somber war kind of things. And then we go back to the bell. There are more bandits. There is another firefight. And this time, so Windy City was the lead plane. 
and C Cup took over for Windy City. And now C Cup gets hit and a dude falls out of the plane. And they're like, holy shit, that dude doesn't have a parachute. Mm. And then Dearborn is like, you guys better make sure you all have your chutes up. And they're like, damn it, we don't like him. <laughs> well, the rascal who's in the ball turret says, what parachute? I can't eat. I don't barely fit in here. Yeah. And then they tell and Dearborn's like, put your safety harness on. And he's like, it hurts. And he's like, put it on, rascal. Which is also some more foreshadowing. And um, C Cup has to fall out of formation there because they got a big fucking hole in their side and no, they look. can't maintain. So <laughs> Memphis Bell. <laughs> so next in the rotation is Memphis Bell and they take over as lead plane. Dearborn addresses the, the bombing group and they're three minutes and 30 seconds from the bomb run. J- and then Jack gets hit. All right. And he freaks out. And he's having, you know, because he's got hit. Oh, my God, I'm hit. I'm going to die. I'm going to die. And Eugene checks him over and he's like, starts laughing. And he's like, it's just a scratch. You had me so worried. He pulls off a scarf. His name is Klopek. Ties him up. (laughs) His name is Eugene. Klopek. And the bullet hit his harmonica. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) It's just a scratch, you big baby. Yeah. And Eugene's like, man, you had me so scared. And this Jack kind of has a change of heart. And he shows Eugene that he never threw his medal over off overboard. Aww. And he shows it to him. And what Eugene's like, how'd you do that? And he says, magic. Because he's been doing some sleight of hand. This is like your cranky old grandpa that always pulls the quarter out of your ear. That's who this guy ended up being. <laughs> I'm going to be that grandpa. Yeah. Do you, well, you can do some magic. I do. I have, I have card tricks. And then the anti-aircraft guns start firing as they enter the bomb run. Flack. And so everybody has to put on their flak jackets. Now, I looked up what flak was because I was interested. I didn't know what it was. They're grenades. So oh. flak is, so it's an 88, so the German, as their anti-aircraft, created the these Jones. anti-aircraft gu- cannons. And they fired an 88 millimeter shell into the sky. And when it reached a particular altitude, it would explode. Explode. And it, um... Sprayed shrapnel. It sprayed shrapnel, metal fragments out. So that would tear into the aircraft. So that's why all those metal pieces start Basically coming. Basically filling the entire air with shards so, of metal. And the, if they penetrated the, you know, they could kill you because it's shrapnel. But like if they penetrated the engine, the engine would cut out. Or if it mm-hmm. penetrated where the bombs are, could cause the bombs to explode. So this was a very effective method so when they put on their flag jackets i guess that would be like early um bulletproof vests vests. that's why they still call them flag jackets Mm. all right so at this point they're in the bombing run dearborn turns on the autopilot and gives control to val the bombardier which is a fun word but you can't say it on an aircraft bomb 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 you can't say bomb on the airplane so at this point so val is looking through his little scope and he's getting ready to drop the bombs when they get on target. Flack hits the cockpit. Blood goes everywhere. and Or does it? And they're freaking out. So and it's not it. me, it's you. He's got to <laughs> yes. be in shock. No, you got to be in shock. And Virgil says, no, no. It was the tomato soup. <laughs> they got souped. Which is, it's one of those things. Because you're freaking out and then, no, it's just soup. And then Flack also hits the left wing, and now they're losing fuel. So, but 
the pump isn't working because they pump the fuel from one tank to another. Nothing works. <laughs> no. Well, no, I mean, because nothing works on this plane. No. Well, ever. I'm sure they don't know how much flack has hit it. <laughs> and the control panel just got souped. <laughs> yeah, but, okay, wait till the next scene. But when so the next Virgil scene is, has to the go. The problem is, is that this movie, much like other movies of the same kind of vein, mm-hmm. is nothing ever goes right. It's always problem, 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 problem. Like, put their, you know, put the air conditioning on. The air conditioning's not working. We'll hit the heat. Heat's out. Put that landing <laughs> gear. Landing gear don't work. So does anything fucking work? It adds tension. Oh, the, the engine's do. The engine's go out. Motherfucker. It adds tension and interest to the story. It doesn't add tension because, to the story. Because, like, when they're on it the... It makes it unbelievable that everything goes wrong. Which I looked up because I was trying to see if if this really did happen. Like how much stuff actually went wrong on this bomber. But unless I watch the documentary, I'm not going to find out. Because it doesn't say fucking anywhere. So I'm gonna see In the documentary, they do talk about the, the crew gives a true yeah. gives their account of what it's happened. Gre- gremlins. Which, <laughs> they, thought, they thought it was gremlins. Even if I watch the documentary and listen to the actual crew say what happened, who knows if they're telling the truth or not. They could have embroidered yeah. it for... Yeah. You know, <laughs> the only ones that were there were them. Mm-hmm. It would be kind of boring, but like, yeah, there was flack, but you know, it was minor inconvenience after 24 missions. We weren't that worried about it. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, we flew in. Uh, we couldn't see, so we made another pass and dropped bombs. We slapped a bunch of planes together really, really quickly to fight in the war, and then we didn't have ways of checking it. Checking it was looking at it. Yeah, it looks fine. But is it, is it going to work? I hope. I don't know. I don't have. <laughs> nowadays, we hook computers up to them, and it tells us every little problem. But Virgil, who's up in the cockpit, who is like the crew mechanic and um that Luke, fucking guy's got a job he's, he's got, everywhere yeah. yeah but they go and do the manual fuel trans transfer and they think they saved some so that's good news <laughs> how much enough to get us to the crash but <laughs> now they're at the target and they're like all right val what's going on and val reports that the target is completely obscured that there's some sort of smoke screen what do you want me to do and they're you know they what do they do they not do they just drop the bombs this is a moral dilemma. They know that there's school, school and a hospital, hospital and plenty of civilians in this area, which is probably why they put the factories there. Mm-hmm. Because some people would just drop bombs, but some people are going to have a moral issue with this. And they kind of discuss what to do. And Val's like, I can't do it. I can't see anything. I'm not going to do it. So now what do they do? Because if they, if they just drop the bombs... Besides killing the possible kids in hospital things, if they miss, it just means another crew is going to have to come tomorrow, and it's just more people that are going to have to fucking bomb. And that's what Dearborn says, and he's like, we're going to have to go around again. And Luke is like, that is suicide. You cannot go back through the bomb run twice. You know this. This is how you die. You end up dead. And Dearborn says, you know, Phil, of course, thinks they're all going to die, just looks at Val and is like, just drop them. And... Well, the that life expects like, everybody goes to zero I'm not eventually. going to do it. Yeah. So like a movie once. <laughs> Dearborn, uh, he's like, get me the group. He addresses the bombing group and tells them that they're going to have to go through it again. Mm-hmm. And he's like, look, if we don't do it, we're just they're just going to send somebody else. We're here now. Our mission is to bomb this factory. And we're going to bomb this factory. So they pull out and they gain altitude because it's going to take them five minutes to circle around right back to the beginning of the bomb run. And as they're doing this, of course, bandits again. And um, <clears throat> so bandits shooting, shooting, shooting. Sinclair asks if everything's back there with Cl- good back there with Clay in the tail. And at first he's like, no, no, I'm good. And, and Luke is like, are you sure? And then he remembers that Sinclair wants to fire the gun. 
And um, sometimes I put their first names, sometimes I put their last names. Sorry, it's confusing. Luke. Mm -hmm. And so he's like, actually, you know what? I am out of bullets. Mm -hmm. And Dearborn's like, "Um, can't someone else bring you bullets? And Luca's, and they're like, no, we're under heavy fire. And Luca's like, I'm the only one not doing anything. I'm going to go. And Dearborn's like, well, hurry back. But really, he's the only one not doing anybody. You would think that maybe he would be doing this on the regular, running them ammo and getting Unless them stuff. Unless Val does it, because yeah. when they're not dropping the bombs. But <laughs> Val has a gun. Like, oh, if you he? look, him and um, Phil, the navigator, both have guns. But the only place there's not guns is the cockpit. Mm-hmm. So he goes back to the tail and... Clay moves, and Sinclair gets to shoot. So he's shooting, he's shooting, there's an incoming bandit, and he fucking shoots it down. And he's like, first time out, I get a kill. And he's all celebrating. And then this, as this plane goes down, it cuts fucking mother and country right in half. Oof. Rascal says, oh no, it's the rookies. That's what's and called collateral damage, folks. Friendly fire. Yeah. <laughs> Almost. And you gotta think. Almost. Fucking Luke. He just wanted to be able to fire a gun. He just wanted to shoot down a Nazi, and he does, and then he kills all those guys. What happens when officers try to do a, a you know a list of person's job? They kill people. <laughs> I guess that is you the moral him. of the story. But think how horrific that is. And then Danny. Well, that'll fuck you up for life, right? Danny there. opens. He probably the, still, you know, if he'd be like seventy years old, he'd still see that plane crash. Oh yeah. And then this, I don't think they would do. But Danny switches the radio to the channel with Mother and Country. And you hear them screaming for help. Oh, no, you don't do that. (laughs) Which I don't think they would actually do, but it adds to the drama of the movie. Mm -hmm. And you just hear them screaming and screaming, and then finally Danny turns it off. And Dearborn asks, how many shoots for mother and country? Two. So it's a 10-man crew on every plane, so two of them were able to get their shoots out. But still, even if you parachute out and you land on the ground, you're still in fucking Germany. Germany. Yeah. And this is 43, so there's still two more, two years before you get out of your concentration camp that they're going to put you in if they don't shoot you on site. So these guys are probably dead anyways. It might even be better to just go down with the plane. I would. (laughs) Although we didn't know about the con. We don't know about concentration camps at that time. You might have had a little thing that you knew there were a thing. They didn't have bad it was. Well, I'm sure they knew there was POW camps, but they didn't know what was happening with the concentration camps, which is where they were going to get shipped to. But... So, we make it through the bombing run the second time. Shit is still obscured by this smokescreen. And Val is like, Captain, what do you want me to do? And they're trying to decide. Do we try for a third time? Do we just release the bombs? You know, and there's this little bit of tension. Where Are they just going to release the bombs? Or are they going to try it a third time? But then at the last second, the fucking smoke clears. Val sears it. Bombs away. And then... All the other planes that are left drop all their bombs. And Dearborn says, okay, boys, we've done our job for Uncle Sam, and now we're flying for ourselves. Which I'm sure he didn't say something that dramatic. I think he would have said something like... Let's go back. (laughs) He says... F this, I'm mobile. Yeah, he straight Dinkelman's it. F this, I'm mobile. What you don't know is this is Dinkelman's great-grandfather, or grandfather. Yeah. Yeah, on his mother's side. Dearborn changes his last name to Dinkelman? No, no, on his mother's side. On his mother's side. side. And it's a family motto, F this, I'm mobile. We're not out of the woods yet because there's still bandits and 
We are still over Germany. Yes. And, and you just blew up a factory. They're probably yeah. pretty pissed off about it. Yeah. We see... There, there be retaliation. And then we see a bandit coming in at 1 o'clock low, and the gun turret jams again. Of course it does. The second time it's jammed. nothing works on this plane. And Rascal is freaking out because they're coming right for him, and he's, they're coming right for him, and he can't... He And he's like, get me out of here! Get me out of here! I can't fire! I'm stuck! I'm stuck! So Virgil goes... And we see from the outside of the plane that the ball gun turret has been shot clear off. Mm-hmm. And Virgil opens the hatch, and there's Rascal hanging, because thank God he did his Hanging by the flaps. Yeah. And um, he's just hanging there. And Virgil says, undo your safety strap, I'll pull you out. And he heroically pulls him back into the plane. Poor Rascal, I'm sure, has shat his pants. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. <laughs> and then... Danny gets hit. There is an explosion. We don't know exactly what the shrapnel hit, but it causes a minor explosion and a fire. And Danny is hurt real bad. He seems to have gotten some sort of belly wound from the shrapnel. And Rascal has got to get his shit together and put out the fire. So they call for Val, and they're like, Val, go check him out. And this is where we find out. So the whole time they've been talking about Val and his med school. He's done his four years. He's just got to go finish up. He lied. He was only in med school for two weeks before he joined up. And nowadays, they would check that. Yes. So I don't know how thorough their background checks were in World War II. Yeah, they were like, but, hey, what did you do? I did this. Good enough. Good enough. Go. But they did Here's not. Here's gun. Mother, but they did not check. God and country. And he's like, I don't know what to do. There's nothing I can do. And, they're, and Phil's like, yes, you can do it. You're like, his only hope. You got into med school. <laughs> you know more about this than I do. <laughs> But now we get a fire in number in the number four engine too. Of course there is. And they try to use. It's been two minutes since there's been a tragedy. They try to use the fire extinguishers, the automatic extinguishers, but they don't work. So they're gonna have to dive to put it out. So Memphis Bell says I'm gonna have to, you know, or Dearborn addresses the bombing fleet says we have to break out of form- formation. We're gonna have to dive to put out this fire. Somebody else takes over as yeah, the lead you're plane. You're way back. What the fuck do you give shit? Well. So and if it was me, I'd be like, all right, we're done. Everybody scatter. Let's not clump together and be a target. They dramatically dive and it's not putting out the fire. And it's not putting out the fire. And they, they reach their max dive. Like, we got to stop, man. We're going to die. Hold it for two more seconds. And Luke is like, no, you got to you got to hold it. He's like, I know your machine. The ring can do it. <laughs> Harry, if Harry you're ever going to trust me, trust me now. <laughs> yep. <laughs> and then the fire finally Gracie. goes out and then they both heroically pull her level just saying I've seen this before <laughs> so now so now they're they're flying low they've only got three en- engines going at the moment Danny is hurt real bad so they debate about what to do with them and they're like Val you gotta fix them and he's like look their solution was to throw them out of the plane <laughs> he says look there's, a, there's one other thing we can try. And they're like, all right, lay me this knowledge. They think he's going to come up with some medical thing. And he's like, like Give me no. a pen and some duct tape. We're going to put a parachute on him <laughs> and we'll drop him out the plane. Say, what? And he's like, no, I heard about it. Some guys on this other crew did it. The Germans will pick him up. They'll take him to a hospital. They have to. And then they're like, or they might shoot him. This is suicide. And one of them's like, well, I heard about it's that guy. It's not suicide. It's homicide. Well, <laughs> but there's like that other guy... W- you know, he was injured, but he was conscious. Danny's unconscious. What if he lands in a lake? 
And Val's like, but if we do this, we got to do this now. We're only a couple minutes from the channel. And once they get to the English channel, they'll be over the open water. They won't be able to do it. So Val goes and talks to Dearborn. They're like like two and a half hours away from home. And Val's trying to get Dearborn to make the decision because he's the captain. But he says, Val, you are the one with the most medical knowledge. If you say this is what we should do, then this is what we should do. Speak the most Italian. (laughs) So we see the guys. I'll speak Italian. And Val is scared, but Phil is begging him not to do this. He's like, all you have to do is try. I know you can try. Don't do this to him. He's going to die if you do this. And then we see everybody. He's got a parachute on. He's on the backboard. They're readying readying him to throw him out the plane. And then we flash back to the base. So we don't see what happens. (laughs) And the bombers start to return. So they're counting planes as they come in. But there's no sign of the bell yet. Because the bell has to come and last for the dramatic entrance. <laughs> well, well they've lost at least one engine. They've lost one engine. They're moving slower now. That's true. So then we go back to the bell. Also, half, their, half their tail has been torn off. Also, for the drama of the movie, they have to be lost. And we see that they Danny has that they the have not thrown Danny out the plane. And throw mama from the train. Dearborn <laughs> says, "This is our." Li-. He's like, "We got to lighten this load. Throw all to your conserve shit fuel because they're low on fuel." And um, so, throw all your shit over. It's like, we just tried to throw Danny. He told us no. <laughs> We're in England now, so get rid of get the guns. all the guns. Just let we them fall on yet. somebody. So. <laughs> Somebody's house is Well, like, they're still, shit. when they start dumping things, they're still over the channel. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, they're dumping them into the water. And then they see the English coastline, and they're almost home. And this is where Danny wakes up just long enough to confess that his poem was not his, that yes. Yates wrote it. <laughs> and then he codes, and Val does CPR, and brings him back, and says, "If you try that again, I'll kill you." Trust me, we're throwing shit out the plane. You're yeah. next. All right. <laughs> so they're approaching base, and they get ready to land, and they drop the landing gear. But something's wrong. What's happened? Only one wheel has dropped. And what we learned is these planes don't have their landing gear down because the other plane and came in, no landing gear. This plane this seems no like a common gear. problem. They you can think belly they fix land. This yeah. thing. And Dearborn says, "All right, just lift it up. We'll belly land." But it won't go up. Or it won't come back up. So something's stuck. Of course. So they're going to have to manually lower the wheel. And this is the lowest, slowest crank on the history of the planet. No, no, because the three of them, so three guys go through cranking this thing, and they're cranking it, and they're cranking it, and they're cranking, (laughs) and it's just not moving at all. I'm like, all right, they need more gears in this thing, because this should be a fairly simple thing. Crank, 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 it's down. But if that it's was stuck really... and you can belly land, try taking the other one up. <laughs> Do you have any bombs left? Bomb that. But so they're manually lowering the wheel. While this is happening, we lose engine number three. Mm-hmm. And at this they point... they want to pack as much drama as they can at this one moment. At this point, one of the engines must have been damaged earlier that I didn't write down because they only have one left uh, engine left. Mm. And they say... and. Um, Luke says to Dearborn, he says, how long can we fly on one engine? And Dearborn's like, I don't know. I guess we'll find out. Yeah. <laughs> well, we have... All the way to the crash side, I guess. <laughs> so the base has been watching the skies, and you see everybody give up on the Memphis Bell, and they start to um, turn away. And they're like, you know, we got, you know, it's been too long. They're not going to make it. They made it so far, but not enough. But what's that in the distance? I think they hear it before they see it. Yeah, they, they hear it. The dog hears it. The dog hears it. And they see Luke's dog get up, and then, what's that? It's the bell. You can't see what Elaine's doing with her hands, but she's faking like she has binoculars. But oh no, 
They only have one fucking wheel down. Winger's skiing on one which ski. Which we just saw yesterday. Like, oh, this, that again. This made a fucking plane explode. So the head mechanic's going, we really got to work on that. Yeah. So, <laughs> first Virgil tried to lower the thing, and then Jack, well, then and, then, tired. and then Luke is like, I'm not fuck or no, Phil. He pushes him out of the way, and he says, we're not done. <laughs> he says, you guys are enlisted. We need an officer for this. And Phil, <laughs> Phil has made a complete character turn. He thought he was going to die the whole time, and now he's like, we're this close to the end. I'm not fucking dying. The whole movie was like in Hercules. The one guy's like, yeah, yeah. we should die. We should die. And it, they get it. all the way extended just as they land. And everyone cheers. They made it. And, you know, the ground crews come and the ambulance come because they fired off a flare. It says they had wounded there. And um, during the lieutenant colonel gathers them all around Danny's stretcher. Rascal's like, are we really stopping for a picture? <laughs> and Eric, so, Eric so like, can I go to the hospital, please? And like, no, we need to and get a he's picture. Like, he's like, get the officers in front. And Luke looks at him and goes, you know, the one that was like the most hyped about this thing is like, just take the picture. Yeah. And Rascal put a cigarette in Danny's mouth. Mm-hmm. I like, guess well, for, like you do. for the picture. Yeah. Well, they're sponsored by Marlboro's. And then Dearborn <laughs> comes out and interrupts and showers them all with champagne. And then as they're cheering the... Well, he walks out like he found it because they yeah. weren't supposed to bring it. And he has his face like, what the fuck is this? And then he turns Joe, she's joking and sprays it all over. And then we see them, you know, blow and, and, and then as, wound and, yeah. as the camera pans <laughs> out, Danny gets loaded in an ambulance and the whole crew gets out and they're driven back to base. And then we get a little bit, another, some um, text on the screen. And it says that the Memphis Belle flew her 25th and final mission on the 17th of May, 1943. And that over a quarter of a million aircraft battled for supremacies in the skies over Western Europe, and nearly 200,000 aircrew lost their lives. And that this film is dedicated to all the brave young men, whosoever their nationality, who flew and fought in the history's greatest airborne confrontation. So this is dedicated to the Germans? Oh. It said that uh, <laughs> Eric Stoltz's character died two days later, and... Tate Donovan shot himself, and, and uh, <laughs> Billy Zane he, went to Leavenworth. He did not say oh, that. Oh, I thought it said all. All right. And that is Memphis Bell. Actually, well, one of the guys became um, like a B-29 bomber pilot. A couple really? of them became... Yeah. They went back? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, you know what? wasn't so bad. Let's go. <laughs> when you read the trivia, it tells you what happened to the majority of the crew. One of them became... I assume like, what's his name lived. One of them shot. went to Hollywood and became like a writer... Oh. And worked with Frank Sinatra. Hollywood. Oh, that's cool. All right. So, what did you think of this movie, Audra? <laughs> I asked Audra if she had thoughts. Did she give you a voice message? Because that'd be a lot cooler if she did. And her thoughts are no. And her Is that thoughts what she was are, texting you the last. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Her thoughts are, oh my god, I love that movie. And then she says, I, I yay it, obviously. And then she says she likes all the characters, and her favorite scene is when they finally land in the end. It makes her cry. It's so sad that so many of them got killed. And her favorite tertiary object is the bell painted on the plane. And that's all. She doesn't have a, you know. No, no least favorite character? Yeah, just a favorite scene. Well, all of them. Wow. But she doesn't have a favorite line. But I told her it's free on Tubi, so I assume she's going she's gonna to watch So if you don't have Tubi, you do now. Well, what did you think, Carly? Oh, all right. This is a rough one. I don't, this can go either way. My favorite character is the captain. Okay. Oh, captain, Dear my captain. Yep. One. My least favorite character is First Lieutenant Luke Sinclair. 
because he done fucked some shit up. <laughs> All yeah. because he wanted to kill he some people. wanted to have a better story. <laughs> well, he wanted to kill some Nazis. Um, He's an amateur. My favorite. To turn broke. See, well, he he also had like a chip on his shoulder about the pilot thing, but then yeah. he wasn't as good, you know. <laughs> My favorite scene was when they had to dive to put out the fire. My favorite line was when Captain Dearborn says, you could come work for me at the furniture store. And they're all like, like, we want to do that. <laughs> uh, <laughs> which Elaine said earlier. <laughs> you could be my wingman. And Schultz, you could be mine. My favorite tertiary object is the dog. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good one. This is a good one. And I will maybe. Mm-hmm. Okay. I enjoyed the last half, but the first half was very slow, and I, I don't know. I just I wish okay. it had gone faster. <laughs> I was bored for the first half, but the last half was good. We'll just go around the table, John. Okay. Hey, um, my favorite character is um, it's really hard because mm-hmm. I have two that I really like, mm-hmm. and first one is going to be. I don't know. I thought you were pointing out. I thought you were pointing out. No, I'm scratching an itch on my chest. Is, um, what's his name? Which actor? Harry Count Jr. Clay. Clay. Clay, thank you. <laughs> is Clay. And the other one is the guy who, the mechanic in the plane? Virgil. Virgil. Those are my two favorite characters. One, because he's Harry Count Jr. and he's fucking awesome. Yeah. And Clay, because, my God, that guy was doing everything. <laughs> he was everywhere, making sure everything was done. Stand up fella. Give him an A+. Plus. Okay. My least favorite character was Phil, D.B. Mm-hmm. Sweeney, mm-hmm. because he was just Debbie Downer the whole fucking time. Mm-hmm. Um, my favorite line is, so this is when um, Luke is trying to get Clay to uh-huh. let him shoot, and he goes, sir, they found out about that, they put my hot dog in a bun and chow down. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like, that. they're going to eat off your penis? Uh-huh. <laughs> I don't get it's it. Tally-wire. But it always made me laugh. Um, my favorite scene mm-hmm. is at the the, the ball, mm-hmm. and he's trying to get the hip hip hooray thing going. They're like, Rrr, and it was like super awkward. And then Harriet Connor Jr. came and sang. Mm-hmm. And my favorite tertiary object is the cigarettes. Okay. Because it was cool to smoke. <laughs> I will yay this movie. I've always liked this movie since I saw it. Um, I recently realized upon watching it that there is just way too much drama. They try to pack so much drama. Like, nothing can go right for these people, ever. And I hate when movies do that because now they're forcing forcing so much drama into the movie where that makes it unbelievable. This, no, no. Too much. Like, a few things can go wrong and a few things can go right. It's called reality. Shit happens. But everything goes fucking wrong for these people. But you still like it? But I still like it because... (laughs) It's fun. Okay. And I don't want Audrey to kick me in the face. <laughs> Tell me. Well, now that I know it's an option that we get kicked in the face. Quickly <laughs> <laughs> well, scratch that out. My favorite character was uh, Cat the Captain, mm-hmm. Matthew Modine. My least favorite character was uh, Rascal, not a Sean Austin fan. Mm-hmm. Favorite line is when they asked uh, Billy Zane, what kind of doctor are you going to be after you get out of the war? He says, a rich one. Mm-hmm. Favorite scene is also when Stoltz lets... Uh, the co-pilot shoot down the fighter and it cuts the other plane in half. My favorite tertiary object is the leather pilot caps that they wear. Not the not the beret type ones, but the yeah. pull down on the side mm-hmm. ones. They're always I think they're always cool with the goggles. 
and uh, I'll maybe it. it's like I say it's it's like you said it's, it's slow in the beginning and you kind of wish they would get to it a little faster but there's really this story there's really only so much so you see why they stretch it out in the middle because otherwise the movie be an hour long the other thing <laughs> so like this movie is a little slow yeah but if they didn't have all that stuff that John's complaining, like, this goes wrong, this goes wrong, this goes wrong, it'd be even slower. Yeah. <laughs> Ooh, look, we went, we dropped some bombs, we came back. Interesting. <laughs> it's funny, I was thinking of picking a movie that's kind of like this, but uh, I, I didn't think it was available, but I think it just became available on Hulu, so I may pick it next. Well, right. It's on the same kind of plane and everything. Well, my favorite character... Is it called The Beast? It's called Shadow in the Cloud. Interesting. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Just came out. Is it Sky Captain in the World of Tomorrow? No. Ooh, that movie was dog trash. Um, my favorite character is Phil, actually. Old Deep Really? I think Debbie he, Downer himself? I think he's the most interesting. Really? Because he is having horrific PTSD. Mm-hmm. And everybody is just, you know, they're just trying to get through this last mission. And I think where he's drunk and then going to the briefing and trying to give away all his stuff... I just think he's the most interesting. And then, and then gets, that turn at the end where he's like, we are not dying. Yeah. And then when he gets home, he gets abducted. Sorry. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> he's got a rough life. And my least favorite is Anal stuff. Jack, one of the uh, the mid-gunners, the one that's... Is he the one with, with the Eugene? monster teeth? He's the one he's that the does one the that magic. Yes, he has the monster yeah. teeth. Metal out the window teeth. and does it. He's just such a jackass. Yeah. Like, Rascal, jackass. I, I don't really like Rascal either. But he's just like an annoying horn dog. Yeah. That's fine. But I find this an annoying jack character even more of a jackass. Um, my favorite line is is from when the bandits come, and one of them says, "Watch out, cockpit! Cockpit! He's heading straight for you." And Luke goes, "What am I supposed to do? Spin on him?" Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> because they don't have guns. If it was Indiana Jones, he'd pull out a, a wall through though and start shooting at him. I really like, I like, it's picking a favorite scene is kind of hard. I kind of like them all. But I'm going to go when they start the bomb run, when the flag starts, to when they successfully make it back and land. Ooh. I just, I know there's a lot of stuff happening and it is disaster, 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 disaster. But I do like it and it's interesting. <laughs> and my favorite tertiary object is the balloons. Because I've always wanted to be in a dance when you get a bunch of balloons dropped on you. And they don't even do that kind of stuff anymore because it's not envi- good for the environment. So they don't do that kind of thing. But I just it, love a bunch of balloons. Fuck you. All the balloons came out. He said, welcome to the Yeah, that movie, did, as, try, as hard as you tried, that movie still has not ruined balloons for me. There's, there's, something, there's a clown holding them. There's something really fun about balloons. Are you waving with somebody else's hand? There's a picture of me sitting in Jessica's room Mm -hmm. when we were teenagers surrounded by balloons. Because one year for her birthday, while she was at cheer camp, I filled her room up to like this table height with balloons. (laughs) Um, I'm going to yay this movie. And then I'm going to tell you the story about when I was in elementary school. We did this thing where the whole school released balloons. We did that too. And we put postcards on them. And then we you did were, that. And you see if somebody wrote you back. We did that. And how no far away you back. And saw how far away your balloon landed. And some of the kids got letters. At mo- and I think the farthest one was, because I was in Michigan, and I think the farthest one was like Canada. Ohio or West Virginia. But it wasn't like super far. And it's ter- and they don't do that anymore because it's terrible for the environment because yeah. birds eat it and, you know. Ours, where they put... 
they put the school's number and everybody had a different code mm-hmm. and you know you'd find the balloon or whatever and then they'd call in and whoever got it they got prizes i don't remember if we got no, prizes we but i remember releasing like them like they were you'd postcards right and then cool. write back no one ever wrote back to me no. i don't think that anybody wrote back to me but i there was responses and i just that visual of all, all the, the balloons, balloons in the up. sky yeah. <laughs> oh it's so cool i love balloons also, I like the scene where a rascal's in the thing and, and, and it's stuck because, you know, everything has to go wrong. And then the fighter pilot comes by and he gets to shoot it and it blows up and he goes, your mother too! <laughs> I like the part where the one bandit goes under the thing and then Rascal goes, that guy had blue eyes! <laughs> rascal did have a bunch of good lines, but not there's, as good as a hot dog and eating it. Then. No. There's a couple of good lines in here. Hey, Carly. All right, find us on Facebook.com slash the underappreciated movie podcast, on Twitter at a movie podcast, oh. on Instagram at a movie podcast dog. So you can email a movie podcast oh, at gmail.com. Oh I said it much slower this week than last week. Hold on, <laughs> last week she was like the micro machine. <laughs> and then at the end, she said, if it doesn't say micro machine, is that the real thing? <laughs> oh my god, I have to pull it up. Come on, play. Well, tune in next week. Not an ad about Panera. <laughs> Jesus Christ. You can't on the podcast. For one of those John's <laughs> pick. <laughs> Liberty Mutual, go to hell. Oh, Liberty Mutual, go to hell. <laughs> I want a bumper sticker that says that. Anyway, my pick is I picked, I don't know what year it came out, but whatever. I picked The Goods. Live hard, sell hard. You are going to go with The Goods instead of Vision Quest? I'm going with The Goods instead of Vision <laughs> Quest, and only because... I really want to watch that movie again. And Vision Quest is all is always free. Like every month, Vision Quest moves from one of these free apps to the next, so it's always on something. Okay. Uh, yes, starring the great uh, what's his nuts, uh, Jimmy, Jimmy Piven. Piven. Thank you. And a lot of other. I was gonna say Ari Gold. I'm like, that's not his name. That's, that's no. his character. <laughs> Such a good movie. Spoilers. Good. Yeah. Um. <laughs> or maybe it's bad. I don't I'm know. It's been sure. a while since I've seen it. I don't think. It uh, might not hold up. I'm curious if Carly's going to like it. Like, I think Tony will enjoy it. You know when it came out? Is it 90s or 80s? No, or it, was, 70s? it was like, it was in the 2010s. 2010s? Oh, okay, so it's not that old. Uh, 2009. Okay. So, I'm curious to see if Carly will like it. I'm pretty sure Carly, you'll enjoy it. Carly, for somebody that laughs as much and, and likes to laugh and all that, she doesn't like comedies. Mm-mm. This is it's a, very rare. This is a sh- they try too Wait. hard. I like yeah. subtle comedy. I don't right. like in your face. Right. Isn't this funny? No. <laughs> so we'll see. Well, this this isn't a little bit in your face, but it's also a little. I don't know. You'll see. But we'll, we'll look forward to that. Like Ooh. I thought, the good guys was hilarious. The other guys. The other guys. The nice guys. The, well, nice, the nice guys. guys. <laughs> well, we did the other guys and the nice guys. Yeah. So the other guys is also hilarious. Other guys is hilarious. I hope you like the taste That's of prison food. The one with Will Ferrell. Penis. Yes. That one was funny too. Yeah. And I, I think Emma is funny. I, I think, think <laughs> I'm so, I was concerned. Like, I'm starting, comedy? I'm starting to think that Carly secretly loves Will Ferrell. I like him in a more dramatic. <laughs> okay, role. so Will Ferrell is in the goods, but it's like a cameo. And I probably so, don't like that. He, he's not in it enough to where I don't able, like when he's Will Ferrell in it up. I oh, like he totally Will Ferrell. He's it up. being very subtle. <laughs> like he goes full Will Ferrell in his cameo. <laughs> but you know, there's a lot of people in this, and you'll enjoy it. Ving, Ving Rhames is in it. That's all. That's it. I'm done. DJ Request. I wasn't going to mention DJ Request. That's not Ving Rhames. No, 